Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Hello, welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Ashley Temper, who is the founder of the skincare brand Yours Only. She's also the podcast host of Allergy Proof. You will have to excuse the recording quality for the intro and outro of this podcast. We've recently moved. I'm in a much larger room and I haven't yet been able to soundproof the space. So Ash has been dealing with pesky intolerances and skin conditions since day dot, as well as Hashimoto's disease. And in 2018, she discovered she had a food chemical intolerance and was unable to find any products that were skin, body and bathroom safe for her specific skin and this is when yours only was born it's a series of all system skincare designed with allergies intolerances skin conditions and autoimmune diseases in mind and you can use the same products in your hair on your body on your face all in one they're also beautifully packaged good enough for a shelfie today we are speaking about uh, Ashley's discovery of all these different chemicals and things that were in her skincare that was really causing her body and her self-esteem and her skin a lot of stress and this whole process of developing a range um, as well as what to look for in different products if you are experiencing skin intolerances or you have an autoimmune disease. I first started asking Ashley what she thought was the biggest misconception about skin allergies. I think the number one thing is everyone assumes if something's all natural, it is perfect for anyone with sensitive skin. It's like the biggest thing that happens to me. So I have my own skincare range, which we talk about called Yours Only. And every person has said, I'm just so excited that there is now all natural skincare range for people with sensitive skin. And I say, look, to be honest, it's purposefully made with synthetic ingredients that are super safe. But the reason why is because a lot of those really natural ingredients are the ones that cause flare-ups and rashes and people would have really severe reactions like I'm not going to say ASOP is really bad or anything but ASOP has lots of beautiful natural ingredients and people who have super sensitive skin actually kind of rush up when they have it so I find that is one thing that a lot of people mention but I think as a consumer myself there's a few different things to think about so I'm not a specialist or anything but there's the average customer versus the allergy prone customer so I have very sensitive skin and I've had it ever since I was a little kid I was that kid that had eczema as it like a little toddler and it was like the kind of eczema that would bleed all the time and then I had severe hives when I was growing up that kind of were on and off again but my main issue is even though I do have that sensitive skin I need to look at it from a holistic approach so what I'm putting on my skin is also about the things that I'm ingesting too so I think we'll talk a bit about how I have a salicylate intolerance and I'm intolerant to quite a few other things but it comes down to reducing all of the ingredients that I am intolerant to in your topical skincare, as well as the foods that you're consuming, because that will reduce your flare-ups. So I think a lot of people just assume, oh, if it's good for sensitive skin, it'll be right. 
and it's not always the case. You need to think about the other ingredients that are in it and you also need to read the ingredients to make sure that they do match exactly Mm. what you need. Yes, I've seen this meme that's probably been reused quite a lot on social media and that is that water is a chemical. So this misconception that skincare doesn't have chemicals in it is just such a misfact and in fact everything is a chemical and sometimes these synthetic ingredients are used because they are more stable and you know more suitable to someone with a sensitive skin type. So Ash, let's start from the beginning and let's talk about your experience with your sensitivities and then talk to us about your career and how you got to do the work that you're doing today. It's a very long journey, but we've got the time. So I guess I was that kid that always had the allergies. Like I know that there's a million of them now, but when I was younger, I was probably the only one in my class. Like I never got that piece of cake. I got like a packet of crayons instead. Yeah, so I was that kid in kindergarten that wasn't really allowed outside in the winter just because my asthma was so bad. I was on the asthma path, the pump like three times a day. And then I guess like any kid like that, you kind of grow out of it slightly and then you have trial and error with a lot of your intolerances. I got severe hives a lot when I was younger. But I guess you kind of just know your triggers and then you just level them out and as you get older, it changes. But then I guess fast forward to when I kind of finished high school, I studied fashion, product development and merchandising in Melbourne because my dream was to become this product developer in fashion and I mean it's great in theory but in reality it's quite of a tough job and then once I finished that I actually lived in New York for a year and a bit and loved it but I was working in the fashion space it was just go 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 like my life has always just been so go 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 and I was in the digital space and kind of got into Instagram and all of that kind of realm And then decided to come back and did my Master of Communications at RMIT. So I guess what I did is I combined my love for the fashion side with the communication side and then ended up working in the social media digital space. And I've been there for the past eight years. And I now have my own social media agency, which is just extremely busy. I find that I'm just very busy and I'm trying to ease that because that also plays a huge part in my intolerance and health issues. So if we talk about what my obsessions were from when I was younger up until now, I've yes, I've always had these allergies and intolerances, but I've, I've always been obsessed with skincare and makeup because I kind of felt like if I had, you know, eczema or hives or something, it was a really nice way to cover up or make me feel really nice. And my mum worked at Estee Lauder and like any kid whose mum works in makeup is like a dream because you can steal it all and use it all on your face and body. So I've always kind of had that love, but then I guess around three or so years ago, my symptoms just got so much worse and I now know it's because I was working a very stressful job but I just couldn't get to the bottom of it I was throwing up all the time just really randomly I'd be waking up in the middle of night vomiting I would get really bad fatigue I would get diarrhea my stomach was just in agony I had the worst brain fog and then my skin would just flare up so easily So I jumped from naturopath to doctor to doctor and I ended up actually speaking to a dietitian in Sydney called Chloe McLeod and she had said to me without even like going through any of the tests, she was like, if you had this asthma as a kid and you also had this eczema as a kid and you've got all of these other issues, 
you 100% will have this food chemical sensitivity. So food chemical sensitivity essentially has three categories underneath it. You have your salicylates, amines and glutamates. And when I heard about it, I was like, what are these words? I have no idea what you're even talking about. But when I thought about it, all the things that I was told to cut out were a lot of the things that my parents actually took out of my diet when I was a kid. So I never actually really had them in my diet as an adult until I started dating my boyfriend. So these new symptoms kind of popped up when I started dating my boyfriend, which I feel really bad about. But so I was drinking more wine. I was including more like herbs and stuff into my food. So I guess all of these foods and it includes like aged meats and wines and all of that, but all of these combined with products that have really high fragrances or products that have really high salicylates in them, basically just caused me to completely flare up. And it was like my body had just like hit rock bottom. So I was also diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease when I was 23. And so that was a bit of a tough one for me because at 23, it's a very, very young age to be diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease because Hashimoto's disease is basically an autoimmune disease of your thyroid where your body attacks itself. And when I was diagnosed, the doctors were like, it'll take, you know, it's normally people who are above 50 and they're overweight and they're men and they just wouldn't diagnose me. And there's thyroid disease in my family. So I just knew that that was it. So it was a very, very long journey. So I guess from this diagnosis of the food chemical sensitivity and then also having this Hashimoto's disease, I kind of was very stumped and couldn't really find any skincare that suited what I needed because I didn't want to have any products with parabens and sulfates. The only products I could really buy were from the chemist and they just looked really boring and not nice in my bathroom, especially going from like all the my makeup obsessed Estee Lauder days to just buying crappy stuff that was suitable. So I guess that kind of is where I combined my product development degree with my social media experience and decided to build this skincare brand called Yours Only. So I guess the name kind of speaks for itself. It's for people that like me that have all of these allergies and intolerances and it's, you know, a skincare brand just for you. And, you know, if you think it looks great in your bathroom and you have a friend who doesn't have any allergies, they can keep their own products that they can use. And then this is just for you. And then what I did is because I had only the product development and the social media experience, I worked really close with a local chemist to help create that product. So it was a very long process. And she basically told me the product that I wanted doesn't exist. And it was a lot of back and forth. Like from the time of where I came up with the idea to when it went live, it was just under two years. But majority of that was honestly just the formulation process because I was very strict and she was not happy with me. I was like, no, we can't do <laughs> this we need to update this but we got there I nearly pulled the pin but we got there well done well done for yeah. persevering thank you <laughs> so talk to us about the difference between a skin sensitivity and allergy because I think sometimes this can be a bit misunderstood by the general public yeah, definitely. And like, just to pre-frame, I'm definitely not a doctor, but I feel like I know what a lot of doctors would say because I've had a lot of personal experience with them throughout my life. But I guess a skin sensitivity is something where your skin is easily irritated. So people who have like redness, dry patches, like they're really prone to break out. They can burn really easily. If sensitivity is like, it's not life-threatening. So you can still get by, but it's just not enjoyable if you, you know, have sun exposure or you have put a product on your skin that's not really appropriate for sensitivity skin whereas on the other hand you know an allergy is a condition where it's an immune system response to something where they think it's abnormal so this is obviously a lot more serious so it could even be like someone using a moisturizer with nuts in it who's severely allergic to nuts and they could have an anaphylactic shock 
so their throat would close up whereas other people could be quite different so I have an allergy to nuts but mine I haven't touched a nut in maybe 15 years maybe 10 so I rash up but I know that the more times that I would come into contact with it it would get significantly worse it could become where my throat closes up but I'm not at that point yet so I guess there's a level and it can get worse as time goes on as a lot of people might know who have an allergy to something like a nut or even like a shellfish. Good differentiation there. Now, I'd like to talk about allergies, skin sensitivities, and then this autoimmune skin condition connection, because some people might be thinking, well, how can Hashimoto's or how can asthma affect the skin directly? And I'm not necessarily talking about the medical interactions, but let's talk about your experience and and let's talk about how you've found that your skin and your autoimmune conditions are affected. Yeah, well, I guess when I created Yours Only, I created a range and called it Whole System Beauty, which isn't a thing, but that's what my belief is because it will become a category because I've made it a category because for me, like everything embodies your health. So the food that I eat is the thing that really affects me, but also my stress levels affect me. So I guess if I'm really stressed and then I eat something really bad, then my thyroid gets really messed up. If I use anything with parabens and sulfates, my thyroid kind of gets messed up and then as soon as my body gets like that that's when my hives start to come out so my autoimmune responses are different to everybody else's everybody is quite different but when we're specifically talking about yours only we don't really fall into the medicated category where you're talking about things like psoriasis we're talking about you know, affecting your entire system. So as I said earlier, parabens and sulfates are kind of known hormone disruptors. There's a lot of different research around about that, but that's what I believe. So for me, I find if I am using all of these products that contain all of these things and my body is kind of stuffed up from it, that's when all of these other responses kind of happen. But people don't really understand that. They just assume if there's a product that's for sensitive skin, I'll be totally fine. But they're not considering the fact that they may have an autoimmune condition that would affect that. So people who have fibromyalgia, for example, which is also a condition, salicylates actually can affect them too. So there's lots of other things or conditions that people need to be wary of in terms of products and utilizing them on their skin and seeing the effects of their autoimmune condition. Yeah, interesting. So we'll we'll get into salicylate intolerance and allergies in a moment, but let's talk about the links between food and autoimmune conditions, because this has had quite a a Mm -hmm. significant change on your lifestyle as well, since you found out. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I find that majority of the time, if someone does have some sort of intolerance, they will find that they have a link to something else. I think a lot of mine came from trauma. I went through something quite traumatic within my family when I was in my late teens and my health issues kind of came from that. And there's a lot of research saying that a lot of these gut issues are actually coming from stress because, you know, your gut is your second brain. And if your gut is your second brain and you are extremely stressed, then all of a sudden your microbiome and your gut all of a sudden changes and has all of these different immune responses. So, you know, they say between two to 22% of adults who have asthma are also sensitive to salicylate. So that was a really common thing for me. And a lot of people with these food intolerances also have inflammatory bowel disease. So it's more likely that it will happen between the two of them. And I think there is a really strong link for some people, but not to other people. So I guess for me, there's a very strong link and there's been a link in my family and I've been speaking to lots of specialists and they kind of say to me, it could be that your parents are very stressed people as well. And the stress has actually gotten from them down to you. 
and the stress has given you that autoimmune condition. And then from that autoimmune condition, your system hasn't been working correctly. You get very stressed and then you've kind of given it to yourself, which makes me feel really sad that that's kind of how it's happened. But you can heal it, I guess, and you can manage it in different ways. And I'm on this long path to heal it. And by, you know, creating these products, when I clean my house, I use only products that, well, I actually just clean my house with bicarbon vinegar, but I just make sure that there's no extra fragrances in my house because that will flare up all of those things as well. Good point. And also not to mention that I think it's 70% of the gut or our immune system is linked to the gut as well. Some people are now saying that. So it's so incredibly important. And I think in the last few years, we are seeing this more in the media and there's a lot more research around gut health, but really just fascinating to hear it from your personal experience as well. So let's talk about salicylate intolerance. What is it? So a salicylate intolerance is a little bit different to what would, for example, be like a lactose intolerance. So first of all, when you do have an intolerance to a salicylate, it's actually a nerve ending response. So is not just the fact that, you know, you have a bad gut. It affects you in so many different ways. So you can get like migraines. Sometimes I get really bad headaches. Um, It can give you unexplained mood swings. So like a lot of the time, if you see like really hyperactive kids, they might get diagnosed with ADHD, but they're actually just overloaded on salicylates and it's made them really hyperactive and crazy. For me, it's just like PMS and it's just me going a bit crazy. Other things like for me personally, when I go over my threshold, I get headaches and I vomit. I have really bad stomach cramps. I get really bad congestion. So that's a really big one with my sinuses, diarrhea, hives and more. So what these salicylates are is they're chemicals derived from salicylic acid. So salicylates are chemicals that are actually found in natural occurring foods. So it can also be synthetically produced for things like aspirin. So I can't have any aspirin at all. It's also in like toothpaste and lots of food preservatives, but essentially you will find it in every fruit except for quite a few. So I also can't have amines. So that falls into the same category. So for me, I actually don't really have any fruit at the minute. The only fruit that I can really have is pears. So they kind of fall into a similar category, but salicylates is the one that's probably more commonly known and more prominent. And there's also glutamates as well, which is MSG, which in Australia, not many people have that. And you're not really going to find MSG in skincare. But it's a lot of fruits and vegetables and aged meat. And the issue when you have a salicylate intolerance, actually everyone in the world has a salicylate intolerance in the sense that you can only tolerate a certain level. So every human could have some sort of response, but everyone's is different. So mine, unfortunately, is very low. So I can't actually have, you know, half a glass of wine because then I'll actually have a really strong response Whereas other people could have three bottles of wine and be totally fine. It just really depends on what your level is. And there's not really that much research out there to say why it's like that, but there is thoughts around stress not really helping and everyone is different. But for me, I can't tolerate much at all. And the way that you manage it is that you reduce your life completely from salicylates and amines and the glutamates and once your gut is at a really good level you don't have any skin issues you've you've lost the brain fog and your gut feels very settled you can slowly reintroduce it back into your life so it's not like it's an intolerance where you'll never have it ever again you work with like a dietitian and or a nutritionist and what they will do is they will give you really small amounts so you can reintroduce into your diet and you've got to push past the symptoms which suck 
But once you push past those symptoms, you can slowly have more back into your life and then you have a little bit more of a tolerance. Yeah, interesting. So this is topical for you as well, right? It's not just by ingesting these types of things because lots of skincare will have fruits and different antioxidants and salicylic acid as well, which we know is fantastic for congested skin. So these would all be a big Mm -hmm. no-nos for you. Yes, correct. And I didn't know this either because I just assumed that, you know, I was trying skincare that was you know, for sensitive skin and it wasn't working for me because everyone's skin is different, but it ended up working out that it is the fact that the salicylates found in those skincare is the one that's affecting me. But overall, I would say my response is from my gut as well. So like if I'm putting it on my skin, I get, I actually feel really nauseous and I can actually feel it within my system as well. Wow. That's quite an incredible response. Earlier on, you were talking about your career that was really fast paced, lived overseas. How did salicylate intolerance and these autoimmune conditions just completely change your life? In what ways? It completely changed my life to the point where I felt like I kind of lost a sense of myself because it was almost like, this sounds so morbid, but it was almost like that part of my life had just like finished and had gone because I had to go from living this really crazy lifestyle where I was going out for dinner with friends all the time. I was drinking wine all the time to basically being told you can't drink coffee anymore. You can't have any wine. You have to be really careful with where you eat. You can't really go to places where the smells are really heightened because that will also flame you up. So I had to be really conscious of, you know, where I was going, what products I was buying. I had to read the label on everything. I had to be that person that had to say no to things or that person that had to speak to the waiter and be like, is there fruit in this? Is there this in this? But I have other allergies and intolerances. Like I've been gluten-free and dairy-free for the majority of my life. I also have fructose malabsorption, so I can't have any fructose. So I've been living with all of those intolerances for most of my life. When I got diagnosed with the Hashimoto's disease, I was given zero information of how to manage it. I was just given thyroxine and was told you'll be right. And then at the same time as this salicylate intolerance, I was seeing a naturopath and she was like, well, you should not be doing any HIIT exercise. This is really bad for you. Like your cortisol levels basically triple when you do HIIT exercise, you should be just doing yoga and walking. So all of this kind of happened at the same time. And I honestly lost a sense of myself because like I had to quit the gym. I had to not go out anymore. I decided to stop drinking. You know, I couldn't go for my morning coffee with my work friends. And I just stopped going out for dinner and it got to the point where I was like, I just don't even know what I do anymore. And then I guess that's also kind of where yours only came into it. Cause I would say to my boyfriend, like, I need something else to do with my time. And he was like, well, what are you passionate about? And I was like, I just want to help other people who also have allergies and intolerances. And the Royal Prince Albert hospital is the one that came up with this specific diet that I'm on, which is called the RPAH elimination diet. So they do heaps of research around the low chemical diet. And I was like, I need to help people who go to this hospital or with the research that they're doing. So I wanted to create a brand that also donated to that too. And I guess it helped me in the sense that I was able to create a really strong business from my pain point, but I guess it was like a really big pain point for me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So was this around the time that you met Chloe or was this even before that? It was around the time that I met Chloe. So my autoimmune condition, I was diagnosed with at 23. And then when I met Chloe, it was 
when I was 27. So it was quite a long time after that. But when I met Chloe, it was like rock bottom. Like I was like, I'm at my absolute wits end. I'm like randomly throwing up. I am just so unwell and I eat so healthy. And she was like, oh, as soon as someone says to me, I eat really healthy and I'm really sick. It's definitely this because it's so bizarre. But like, you know, to say you have an intolerance to eating strawberries is just such a bizarre thing to say to people because they're like, it's a fruit. How can you be intolerant to that? I'm like, well, it has this really high salicylate in it. So it really affects me. And one thing to also note with salicylates is, so what a salicylate is, is it as a fruit ages, it gets stronger and stronger. So salicylates in a fruit or a vegetable basically is there to wean off any kind of insect from eating into the fruit. So that's why humans also have that little bit of an intolerance to it because it's obviously not amazing for us, but the stronger the salicylate is, the stronger the flavor in the fruit, the stronger the actual salicylate content is. So I guess that's another thing to understand that, you know, the more flavor that's in something, the stronger it's going to be. But for me, that means my diet is really bland. So like I eat very minimal foods. Like I'm very, I'm introducing a lot of exciting things into my diet. But at the time I was just eating like rice and veggies and very limited veggies and then chicken. So it completely knocked that around. And it's like, you can't really go to a restaurant and ask them if something's got salicylates in it because I doubt they even know what it is, to be honest. How are you feeling now? Good. I'm in a really good place now. I mean, I've had ups and downs this year because of COVID and been stressed. And at the start of the year, I actually tried to reintroduce an apple into my diet. I tried, you know, a couple of pieces of apple every few days and I ended up with hives for four months. So that wasn't good. Had to see a gastroenterologist to try and fix that. And the only way to fix it was I went on to, it was an antibiotic, but not a proper antibiotic. It only attacks one section of your gut. So it doesn't really affect your entire system, but I had to have two lots of that, which was really good. So that helped, but having hives for that long was really painful and really hard. And then I'd mentioned to you before we started speaking that I also had some issues with my lips earlier this year, which sounds quite bizarre, but with COVID and having to wear these masks, I ended up having getting periodontal dermatitis around my mouth. And for me, I just thought I had really dry lips. I'm a mouth breather because I've got lots of sinus issues and obviously they get quite heightened if I have any salicylate content. But the lip issue was just to the point where I would wake up and have to re crack open my lips and they would be bleeding. And then the actual surrounding of my lips ended up like my lips and my face were basically the same. It joined together and it had like a big, like not a scar, but it marked around my mouth. And I was using pawpaw because everyone says that's the only thing to use on your lips at the time. And little did I even realize that pawpaw is very high in salicylates. And I was burning my mouth essentially. Like now that I look back, I'm like, what was I even thinking? But you're always learning. And I ended up switching from that to the dermal therapy tub lip balm which actually changed my life but I'm also now developing a lip balm for yours only so that's been really good for me to be able to like go through that journey and realize that I needed to find a lip balm that actually catered to what I needed but in terms of my gut it's really good because I've been working on trying to be really calm and you know pull back on my work my work is still very busy but I've hired a team to help to try and pull back and I haven't had hives for about five months so that's good Oh, good. Good news. But yeah, what an ordeal. And just really interesting, like with all your experience, as you mentioned, you're constantly learning like pawpaw, you know, it's something that's 
probably in almost every women's handbag in yeah. Australia. And I know when we were kids, dad would put pawpaw on everything, which is quite interesting because now I'm like, well, why would you put it on a wound? Because it, the enzymes are just going to break down that wound. But it's just a, this thing that has got become like this cult following. So I'd really like to hear more about you were talking about the household items that you use in your home and also skincare. This obviously led for you to develop yours only because you weren't able to find things in the market. But let's talk about some of those ingredients and some of that research that went into it and those findings that you were doing in this long process. I think you said two years of development. Yeah. So I guess for me, my main marketing thing was no, like not putting things in the products rather than adding things because I found like I'd be getting targeted all these ads and they would say with added vitamin E or added this it will make you know your skin look 10 times better but for me as soon as they say here's this amazing new product I'd be like amazing and then they would say we've added this and then I'd say okay cool now I can't use it so I guess for me what I really wanted to do was find out what everybody else's allergies and intolerances were and create a product that just didn't include all of those. So for me, I can't have lots of different things. So I can't have any like the gluten or dairy and all the salicylates. I can't have any nuts. So I kind of want to exclude all of those. And then I also wanted to exclude the parabens and the sulfates. And then I wanted it to be a vegan product because I'm passionate about that too. And so Essentially, what I did is I went to the chemist and I said, these are all the things that can't be included. I need you to tell me all the things that can be included. And then from there, basically, I just went and did heaps of research and all the options that I had. I mean, I didn't have very many options because I didn't want much in the products at all. And then it was just a cycle of going back and forth and me saying to them, what's the benefits of this ingredient versus this ingredient? And then we just worked closely together, but it was just such a journey to the point where I now know what a lot of ingredients can do for your skin. And I also know that a lot of people will Google ingredients and what they Google isn't actually accurate. And so that was a really hard pill to swallow because I would Google an ingredient that the chemist would say, and it would say, oh, it's not really great for sensitive skin. And then the chemist will show me like proper research and like well-researched ingredients that have been around for years and years. And she was like, there's just no evidence showing that. So that was a really hard for me because, you know, there are some ingredients that I can't remember if they made it, but when I was going through it, I was like, I physically cannot have this based off what I Google. And she was like, you can't trust Google. And I was like, yes, but my customers will trust Google. So that was a real hard one. But the ingredients that we ended up putting in there, every single one was like research. Like this also takes the time of developing a product, but I Googled it, asked for all of the fact sheets for all of them and just made sure that they were all responsibly sourced and that they all came from where they said that they came from. Yeah, really interesting. And that challenge of re-educating the market. When you first launched, what was, I guess, your strategy in that? Was it, here's a product that is actually suitable for those with sensitive skin or or did you feel that you're really needing to re-educate about ingredients because there's so much misinformation on Google? Both. So I guess I was very lucky in the sense that I had a story. So anyone who's known me knows that I've always had these skin issues and I've always had these allergies and intolerances. So I guess I put my face to the brand, which is not really something that I would normally do anyway. I'm not the kind of person to like tell my story. I've always kept my intolerances quite to myself. 
But I guess by me being able to let people know that, you know, if I can use it, you can definitely use it has really helped. But there's a huge education piece because people are saying like, well, why isn't it all natural? I need something that's natural. I'm like, you actually don't need something that's natural. Even if you use other products that are natural with high fragrances, this is a really good thing that you can use as well as that because this doesn't contain that. The ingredients are actually very nourishing and that they won't irritate your skin. And because they are nourishing, you can actually use it more often and not see any reactions from it. But there is a huge education piece that I'm still doing. And I think there's a lot of trust that has come from me being the face of it. So many people are saying like, oh, I heard about your story and that these are the issues that you're having. If you can use it, I'm going to give it a go. So I think that was a real plus for me and something that I wasn't going to do, but I'm kind of glad that I did now. Mm, Fantastic. And one way, one medium that you have been able to do some of that myth busting is through the podcast that you started as well. Tell us about starting that. Yeah. So on top of all of my other things on my to-do list, (laughs) I decided to start a podcast called Allergy Proof because I just needed another passion project to be able to speak to other people that were like me. Because when I actually put on my Instagram about these allergies and intolerances and the fact that I had Hashimoto's disease and that I've gone through every specialist under the sun, I actually had so many people reach out to me and say, oh my God, I actually have been suffering with this. I've been suffering with this. And I'm not a doctor by any means, but I can honestly tell people like, oh, you should try cutting this out of your diet. Or maybe you should try seeing this specialist. And a lot of the time it it has helped. And I just feel like I get so much satisfaction of helping people in that sense. So I wanted to be able to share more stories. I just was never able to find a podcast that was able to relate to any of my stories or anything that has happened to me. And I kind of wanted to create that platform to connect with people who are busy. That's my main thing. It's busy women who have all of these health issues or skin issues that needed reassurance. And it's been quite rewarding. Like I've had one girl who is quite young and she has had a lot of reactions. Like she was getting like her face was getting so swollen that her eyes were like closing over and she was getting rashes above her eyelids and She messaged me and was like, what do you think it is? I listened to your podcast and I was like, I can't diagnose you, but speak to my dietitian's clinic. And she went and saw someone at the clinic and got diagnosed with a salicylate intolerance. But throughout the whole experience, she was like, I just don't know anyone else that has this. She was like, I listened to this other podcast where you were talking about this. Should I try this? And then she now messages me when she's buying like makeup being like, do you use this? And it just makes me feel so happy that I've been able to reach other people and talk to them because honestly I've never ever met anyone who's had anything that I've gone through until I started this journey because yeah just no one really had gone through it. and if they had we hadn't spoken about it and I hadn't heard about it so it was a very lonely journey for me and I guess I've been living out of home for quite a long time and when you live out of home you just go to a bulk billing doctor and you just jump from doctor to doctor and you just think oh whatever like they said this and diagnosed me with Hashimoto's disease and I've just got these tablets and I'll be fine but little did I know that my Hashimoto's disease was most likely caused from that trauma and that my flare-ups were most likely caused from just stress but I guess stress can come in so many different forms my stress is actually quite internalized so it wasn't the fact that I was like manic or anything it was the fact that I just had a lot on my plate and I was just fitting way too much into my life and now that I've realized that it has impacted my overall health. I think this podcast is a really great way to get people talking about it and realizing that they can stop and reset. 
Yeah, what a story. And it's really interesting that you said you didn't know other people that had been through this, yet when you're the face of the brand and when you're sharing your message, all these people are coming out and you're meeting these people that are going through something similar and it's nice to have those, I guess, bosom buddies in a sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really helpful and it's made me feel like it's definitely worth it because, I mean, as anyone would know, building a business from scratch is a lot of work and you kind of see a lot of money going out of your bank account and not much reward. And I guess for me, like this is more of a reward than making the money back from like my investment into the business. Mm, Fantastic. So you were talking about Google not being the best source of information. What are some good resources that you like in regards to ingredients and links to sensitivity? So I guess in terms of like Google, I mean, we all love Google Doctor, but it doesn't really give us everything that we need. So whenever people ask me for advice over, you know, what they could read, I actually recommend to them to speak to the right specialist. Because for example, when I spoke to Chloe McLeod, my dietitian, she would say to me, you know, this is your intolerance. You're different to everybody else. Because I would say, oh, I saw this person on a Facebook group that had this response and she was like yes but your response is going to be different to theirs because you also have other allergies and intolerances to these foods so I guess the number one thing would be to understand your threshold tell the medical professional your medical history and then they'll be able to kind of work out what your diagnosis is and give you the right information another website that I actually love to use it's for a fibromyalgia website I don't even know how I found it but it's called cell search um, I'll provide it to you so you can put it into the show notes essentially anytime I am at like the shops or I'm online trying to buy something you can copy and paste the ingredients into it and it tells you if there's salicylate content in it and it's just such a life changing website because you know I can check competitors to see if they've got salicylates in them or anything that I want to buy So it's just really good for me because it's so hard to know because salicylates can come in so many different forms and it's also in lots of fruits, but fruits have a lot of derivatives, but sometimes those derivatives, the salicylate content has been removed. So it's just so hard to know unless if you're a chemist or you live and breathe it every day. Mm, Great resources. We will make sure we put those in the show notes for anyone that would like to do some of their own research. Now, I'd like to ask Ash a couple of pieces of advice for someone that might be experiencing salicylate intolerance or an autoimmune condition that they find also affects their skin. My first one, which is probably obvious from what I've said previously, is just to listen to your body. So if you do feel that you do have a response coming on, drink lots of water. My number one thing is water, which I know is like what all of our mums said when we were younger. But water, obviously, like for me, solves everything. Reduce your intake of foods that are really hard to digest. So, I mean, you're not going to always have a piece of steak, but I just don't have red meat because it takes like, I think it's like eight to 12 hours to digest and it slows down your system. So try to have really basic foods to help you and rest. and then just say no to things. It's totally fine. Like push back on work, push back on, you know, meeting up with people and just listen to your body and rest when you can. The second one is to search around and find the right specialist and persist. So when I got diagnosed with my Hashimoto's disease, I actually went to eight different doctors to get, to get diagnosed. And that was just, you know, a year wasted for me to get diagnosed with something that didn't really have to. So 
if you don't feel right, just keep finding another doctor. Just because they can't diagnose you with something or they've diagnosed you with something, it doesn't mean that they're right. It's always good to get a second or a third opinion. And then the third one is very common for people now, but I think a lot of people are still learning about this, but read the ingredients on your skincare and just educate yourself. So do proper research. Don't just buy things because you've seen an Instagram ad for it that says it's suitable for you. Like in like, look at the story, look at where they've sourced their ingredients from. Is it suitable for all skin types? Because all skin types is a bit of a misconception because it might not actually be suitable for your skin. So just be very educated. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you, Ash. And finally, where can people find more about you and the work that you do? Because not only have you got a podcast and a skincare range, you've also got a creative agency. Your life is very busy amongst, you know, all these other health conditions that you've navigated so well. So congratulations on everything that you've achieved, but where can people find more about you? So all the places. So on Instagram at Ashley Templar, but my name is spelled A-S-H-L-I. And then for my skincare brand, it's at Yours Only Co. And the website is yoursonly.co. And if you want to find my creative agency, it's at Pep Creative. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us talking about your experience and your incredible range that you've created from a real need in your life as well. Yeah, thank you. It's been great talking. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast and sharing your earbuds with us. I hope you loved the conversation with Ashley and if you are someone that experiences skin conditions or autoimmune diseases, then I definitely recommend that you check out yours only and also have a listen to Ashley's podcast, Allergy Proof. Uh, Until next time, be skin powered.